Hello, and welcome to Creative Catch-Up, a podcast where three friends catch up and chat about running a creative business. Each episode, Mel, Natasha and Crixis will be diving into a topic that has come up in their own creative practice. We'll be sharing our experiences, both ups and downs, struggles and successes, and hopefully give some advice that will help you along the way. So join us for Season 3, Episode 7, as we chat about building an audience and marketing our work. In this chat, we also have a special guest contribution from Tom Ross. Tom is an entrepreneur, founder and CEO of Design Cuts and an avid supporter of artists making a living from their work. He gives us lots of advice and tips later on in the episode, so be sure to listen in. Hello. 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 How are you, Mel? Yeah, we had the exhibition finish the 13th, a week and a half ago now. I think it is. Yeah. So it was, uh, for those who then now it was a group exhibition between all of us three and it was in Cornwall. Yeah, Mel, how how has your life been besides exhibition? It's actually been quite busy, but I just wanted to share a bit about the exhibition because I think it'll be good. Our listeners probably will want to hear how it went. Um, I think it's it was actually really nice to actually do it and we had a lot of good positive feedback from those who came to the exhibition. Uh, a lot of people said that they loved seeing the work together and how it worked together, you know, our different styles, although we're quite different, they all kind of work together and uh, a lot of visitors uh, mentioned that. Um, and yeah, it was just really nice to be able to talk to people in person and share a bit about the process behind the work. Uh, I had my sketchbooks there when I was there and I think that helped as well people to see uh, yeah, the process of the work and how it developed and yeah, it was just actually quite positive, although it was a lot of work um, and a lot of preparation. I know all of us did a lot of preparation, having to work out what to um, order, what quantities, uh, how many pictures to frame, you know, there's a lot of things that go into putting on a uh, in-person exhibition but yeah we I think it it worked together and it it did look good and the gallery gave us feedback as well afterwards which was very positive and they have invited us back if we want to use the space again so that's that's been Mm. good how did you find it on the whole Crixis when you were there well I (laughs) well I was super busy when I came from Latvia and it was just exhibition almost immediately. So I was a little bit overwhelmed, but I really enjoyed being there and chatting with people. Like I'm not the person who likes to chat with a lot of people, but in that moment, I really liked hearing the feedback. And even sometimes when I didn't mention that which ones are my work or and so on and just hear the honest opinion it was really like good <laughs> and uh, I I think like the the place where the exhibition was held it was really like calm and peaceful and it was also really interesting to see the seasons change over there I remember when we set it up the exhibition it was almost like summer and uh, at the end it felt like the autumn is finally here, which was really nice to observe yeah. as well. 
And yeah, I really enjoyed looking at both of your work. I I saw Natasha's work for the first time uh, in person, which was really amazing. And yeah, I, I, I love Mel's work. I think she her work is really expressive. So it was just nice to see everything like together. And I think if you yeah. want to see more, you can uh, see it in our future videos. Maybe when you will see this, some of the videos will come out and you can see more sneak peeks from the exhibition as well. Yeah, definitely. Definitely you'll see it in our videos, in our vlogs that we have been working on very hard. <laughs> I think that's what else we've been doing <laughs> is producing studio vlogs <laughs> or yeah. vlogs of what we've been up to um and all of that stuff uh how about you natasha i mean you were you were involved in the exhibition but you were like from a distance tell us your experience i think um i think if you're having an exhibition it's good to actually be there because you then feel a bit more of a part of it but it, one thing I did like was that it encouraged me to really concentrate on making a body of work. Mm. And I hadn't done that for a while, you know, not to that intensity. So I actually had a deadline to work to and had to create the work. And uh, yeah, that was really positive that I've ended up with this body of work from um, doing that. Yeah. So that was nice. Yeah. One thing I did realise, though, was that it was important to, I think, in order to get people to it, where it was located, it wasn't on, like, a busy city street yeah. or in a high street mm, yes. where you would have had natural foot floor. Um, it, was, it was down lanes and at the... Mm, yeah, quite uh, out of the way. ...southerly end of the Lizard Peninsula. So the the way to get people to it was that you had to advertise it, I think, to people that you knew and and uh, mm. even putting up lots and lots of posters all around the area. Which Mel um, did brilliantly. <laughs> she she honestly she yeah. I, I like she wrote I put there, I put some there, I put some there, like across the whole lizard and uh it was brilliant. Yeah, it just showed you had to kind of work probably quite hard to get people to come down. It was good in a way because we were next to Roskilly, which is a working farm. It's open to visitors and that pulls a lot of people anyway because they have ice cream, they have mm -hmm. cafe. And so you get footfall from that. But also um, it showed me that, yeah, you did have to uh, know a lot of people. <laughs> you had to, to kind of bring them to, to the place. Um, I felt yeah. like there were like, from all the people who came, around 40% knew Mel <laughs> in some some extent because she, she's been living here much, much longer. And, th and I think because she is doing a lot of workshops and meeting people in person, I think it was great that you can just invite a lot of people you already know. Whereas for me, I don't know a lot of people in Cornwall, so it was a little bit uh, mm. harder to do so. Yeah, yeah. But we did also get a couple of people from YouTube as well, didn't we? Yes. From our YouTube community. Yeah. What was that one lady, Becky? She 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 said to you that she found me and you through Natasha's channel. Oh yes, yes. She's she she lives in uh, Cornwall and she said she saw Natasha's videos and she came there. She didn't know that I'm also on YouTube or Mel is on YouTube, so it was really interesting. 
um, to see. Yeah, that was that was quite funny because she lives not that far away from you, right? Yes. So she basically had to find us through Natasha's channel, who, you know, Natasha isn't in Cornwall. So I found that quite funny. (laughs) Right. So what I'm up to at the moment is working on my next shop update. I'm also trying to finish off quite a few things this month because I'm taking a month off of Patreon on um, in November, should I say. And um I'm also working on an exciting palette launch with Deep Deep Light, which is coming up at the end of this week. I have um, oh wow! <laughs> I've put together a so, palette. So when the podcast comes, it will be up. It yeah, I yes, it will. Yes, it should be because it's going up on Sunday. Yeah, so um, I have collaborated uh, with them on a palette, and we will actually be launching that with a new colour called Natasha's Grey, which I have worked with them on as well. So that's what I'm doing this week. I'm trying to get all of that finished because I have to make a video and I'm making the artwork and all of the different things we need to do before launch. So that's what I've been up to. Oh, I'm so glad to hear that. And I'm glad you said that as well. (laughs) We wouldn't have known this No, no, I've been keeping it under my hat. Yeah, we haven't been able to say so. I've mentioned mentioned it to my patrons. Yeah, they're the only people who know that this is coming up. But yeah, they don't even know really when it's launching. So you two are the only ones who know that it's going to be on Sunday. Oh, wow. That's amazing. Yeah, it's really cool. It's been a lot of fun. So I love putting together colour palettes anyway. So being able to do it with them with their amazing selection of colours and coming up with a new colour together has been really exciting and really fun. Yeah. Have you done it all through email or did you have to talk on Zoom or anything? No, we've done it all through email and Instagram messaging. And, um, yeah, they've been, like, sending the colours and I test the colours and, you know, doing it like that, Mm. so... Yeah, so that's quite exciting and I can't wait to actually launch that because it's been a few months in the planning. So be fun to actually get that up and out there in the world. That actually ties in as well with marketing. It does as well. a bit, doesn't it? <laughs> mm. Yeah. yeah. We will link to the new palette oh. as well down below. <laughs> so in case if you are wondering, you can click the link. And I down have a below. discount code which we shall also add. Brilliant. Well, that is a marketing. <laughs> Well, it's all, it is all marketing. Okay, how about you, Crixis? I am working on Camtober. So this is the challenge I'm doing second year. And I'm hosting this challenge. And this this month, it's a little bit sketchier stage than last year. I think because I was like doing a lot of things at the same time, I realized I don't have enough time to do them like super detailed. Um and I also working on the shop update, which will be in middle of November, which will be my first Christmas store update. Oh, brilliant. I'm so excited. <laughs> yeah. It's great that you're able to do that. Yeah. Yeah. I have missed the Christmas store update. So I will have greetings cards with Christmas themes and uh, I will also have calm toppers in there, which is super exciting. Third the next, Oh, the third one. Oh, great. So you'll have yes. that. You'll have that ready. Yeah, I will have that ready and it will be on 15. I think the date of the shop update is 15th of November. So, yeah. Cool. (laughs) 
and and stickers as well because everyone likes stickers <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah tell you what they they stickers were very popular at the exhibition mm. weren't they yeah, yeah. And, I, and they are my best sellers also on my shop which is like yeah i think like a lot of people love stickers me myself included as well and i think i'm like when i have sticker i just put it on sketchbook and just you don't need anything else yeah. On, yeah. on like the cover <laughs> it, that's it yeah i can see Definitely. why they're so popular or, like paint palette um and i've been doing also shop updating although i don't really have a date i just add things probably should have a date but i i've just been trying to get stuff up on my shop i've also took some pictures of my framed originals which you know i've had for the exhibition i sold a couple of them but i've still got a lot left so i'm going to be selling them online well attempting to sell them online offering them up seeing if anyone wants them and so yeah i've been taking pictures or tony has been taking pictures of <laughs> me good. i saw that but it was so sweet <laughs> because you tried to take pictures at home yeah. and it didn't work out and then tony was like let's go yeah. out oh, it was such a sweet down. post <laughs> yeah i was feeling very low at the end i was like i can't take the picture so he was like right outside so that was probably the best advice <laughs> at that time Mm. Um, yeah, and then mm. I've just been doing uh, workshop prep because I've got another workshop next week. Um, and just, yeah, just trying to catch up with orders as well. So it's mm. been quite full on, really. Um, yeah. But such is the life of an artist. It is. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And, and particularly in the lead up to Christmas, you know, mm. this is probably going to be our busiest time, isn't it, really? Uh, in mm. terms of sales and making sure that we are we have a presence that people know where we are where they can yes. find our work we will probably link our our websites as well down below in case if you're looking for some christmas gifts yes yes best time <laughs> <laughs> okay let's dive into our subject marketing uh we're going to be chatting about building an audience and marketing your work how do you sell your work? I wanted to start by just saying that I remember when I was in my 20s, early 20s, I knew another artist who was more established than me. And she said to me, you can be the best artist in the field, but if you don't know how to share your work, uh, you won't succeed. And that I found quite striking because that says to me, you've got to be able to find an audience for your work. You, you, you can't just create the work and expect it to sell. You actually do have to show your work in order for it to be bought. It's really true, because like if you don't share your work, no one's going to know you even exist. Yeah. And I think marketing is really important. And although sometimes we can struggle with it and maybe most of the time, yeah, we always remember that, okay, but we need to do it. Otherwise, we we will not be seen. Yeah, I think, though, yeah, that has helped me to see its importance, um, particularly with with that l lady who I met, you know, saying you really have to work out how you're going to communicate to uh, your audience to sell your work 
I mean, you know it's very important, so you know you have to do it, but it doesn't come easily. It's very hard to blow your own trumpet, so to speak. And I think you have to do that a little bit if you're going to be successful. And you need to be comfortable with putting your work and yourself out there. But there's always this balance between, I think sometimes you can come on a bit strong or it can be a a bit like a hard sell. And I think that turns people off. So it's very difficult trying to navigate that. It's a fine line, isn't it, between speaking up about your work, but not really pushing it in people's faces. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Yes. In that regard, I try to avoid marketing a lot because I felt like I'm too pushy <laughs> or like I want to like direct everyone to my shop every time. Yeah. <laughs> so I kind of stopped doing that and then nothing happened. So I know what you're talking yeah. about. Yeah. yeah. I find this with the newsletters too, because I have a mailing list and I tend to, when they sign up, it says something about only notifying them when there's going to be a shop update. So I'm very wary of notifying them about anything else because I don't want people to start unsubscribing. It's very tricky with this kind of thing because you need to do it enough to promote whatever it is you want to promote. But you also don't want, as I said before, to turn people off and and be bothering people really I don't know how you find the balance <laughs> I think I always come back to this don't I about balance in things and how I always find it hard to find the balance in everything it's either too much or too little you know yeah I think it's definitely comes to your approach isn't it and how you do it I think a lot of us when we think of marketing we maybe think of the hard sell and just like kind of sales people going mm. buy this buy this buy this you know that's just like hard yeah but um that's we've got to approach it in a completely different way I think and see it as a just sharing our artist journey and and when you start thinking mm. of it in that way yeah you're not going to be selling your work every time you talk to your audience but you are going to be telling them maybe what you're working on or you know they'll see behind the scenes how you're choosing your materials how you're using them yes it, it you're showing more of the person mm. and because then people become invested or interested yeah in you then yes. when there's an opportunity for you to for them to buy a piece of work they 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 feel like they can do that because they they know more about you yeah um than you just be this mm. cold caller who's going buy this buy this <laughs> in that regard i think even though i mentioned before we started chatting in this podcast that i i personally editing studio vlogs it's a little bit harder but at the same time I think studio vlogs is the best marketing strategy on YouTube because you are sharing mm. your life and the more people are watching like and, and being interested what you're creating they want to see if they can get it somewhere else mm. but it's not it's kind of more also subtle it's not like we are mentioning it all the time we are just like oh we are preparing for it or doing mm. something I think that way the studio vlogs are 
introducing a little bit more what we do. Builds interest in you as a person and in your work. And I think people like seeing behind the scenes and how everything comes together and your thought processes and your art practice. And I think all of that feeds into them feeling like they know you a little bit more and they know the meaning behind your work and where it's coming from. And uh, that, in turn, mm. I think, makes people more interested in potentially buying your work in the future. Yeah. yeah, also to say thank you as well, because you, some people actually do want to say, well, how can I support you? Yeah. Or, you know, mm. how, how can I yes. um, get behind you? How can I in- encourage you? Yeah. And sometimes I find that people will will just kind of, I, I mean, sometimes people will donate something to me, you know, just on a paypal because they're like i really yes. i really love your videos oh, so nice yeah i want to say thank you mm. for you, you producing mm. them and they'll just give me you know and that's really really nice when that happens um but that that uh, takes a while though to build that i yeah. think as well yeah it's nice to be able to support the artists if you feel like they're giving you some value in what they're sharing um, I know that I do this myself mm-hmm. with artists that I feel I really enjoy following. I like to support them, so I can totally understand that. Um, yeah, yeah. This is this is what other people like yeah. to do as well. But I mean, before we go into the different ways we market our work and different things that you can do, I wonder what do you think stops artists from marketing their work? A lack of confidence. <laughs> mm. Yeah. But that's a good point. Like if you're more confident on what you do, you, you kind of say it by the way and it doesn't bother you. Whereas if you are like uh, self-conscious, you are like thinking about it all the time. Mm. Yeah, I think if you're a, an overthinker and a perfectionist, both those things can <laughs> stop you from wanting to sell your work. <laughs> Sounds familiar. Well, firstly, you just think, oh, no, 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 no one would want my work. And then your work is never good enough. Yeah, and then someone someone buys something and you have like imposter yeah. syndrome. <laughs> You're like, did they press the right button? Did they? <laughs> Maybe they, they meant a different Melanie Chadwick. <laughs> they got confused. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it, it's hard though, isn't it, to actually... Um, just build the confidence in yourself as well and think yeah. that you're, mm-hmm. there's worth in what you bring. I think the more you do it, the more like easier it gets. What are the different ways of marketing your work? There are a lot of avenues, aren't there? A lot of different ways we can use. A lot of them are free, although they may take a lot of time. Let's start with you. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, I think I probably would say YouTube is my biggest, well, the the most amount of time I think over the years I've put into YouTube. Um, I was trying to think before YouTube. I used to do a lot of craft fairs in person. If you've been listening for the podcast for a while, you'll know that I used to do a lot of screen printing. And so I would do craft fairs, you know, just maybe Facebook then I'd have my web shop. I'd also have a blog. I remember doing a lot of content for blogger talking about my work. But really, I found it really hard to actually build an audience that way. And I would find that I wasn't selling, you know, what I thought I could sell. When I did do in-person craft fairs, I would make sales. So that kind of said to me, 
yes, I could sell pieces, but it was never on a scale which made me think I would be successful doing this. Um, but it was not until in I started YouTube and just like Crixus, you said, sharing studio blogs. I think that was basically what I did in the beginning was a lot of studio vlogs and people just started to find me um, and I'm saying that because sometimes you've just got to start these things um, it's a good way to actually connect with people I think I'm yes. seeing the fruit of that now after what 2017 so how long is that six years mm. six years yeah. I'm seeing that now because I'm getting regular sales in my shop through I know through uh, of being on YouTube and then I also have my websites I have two websites one for my client work one for my shop and then also Substack which I started writing in the last six months I did have an email before that so I'd send out a MailChimp kind of email uh, mostly irregular and yeah didn't feel like there was any structure to it but since I've been doing Substack I feel like I've got a lot more of a sense of what I want to write about and it's a combination of content creation and sharing my sketchbooks the pages that I create and then I'll put in now and again products new products but it's not every time that I write it I talk about a product that I'm selling and then also in-person things are still important I think like doing workshops in the community and building you know a presence what we see I guess in real life you know where people know what you do and where you're based and I think that really helps as well so those are probably my main areas I think for me I would say most of my sales currently in my shop come through my mailing list so I've managed to build that up over I think it's the past I don't know three or four years and these are the people who I always think are most interested in actually buying my work. So it comes through that. But also Instagram and YouTube have been really big for me in um, marketing my work. I would say initially I felt like Instagram was the more popular of the two or the more successful of the two when it came to marketing my work. But now I feel like it's kind of swinging more towards YouTube. I always think that I actually need to mention my work more on YouTube <laughs> and I've been trying to do that a little bit just recently, trying to make my videos more about the art rather than the art supplies and actually show people what I do and I think that has actually driven some more people um, to kind of go and check out my shop and my website and so on. So, yeah, they're two big things for me, um, YouTube and Instagram and also Patreon. Even though I don't see Patreon as somewhere to really market my work, the people who have joined and are my patrons or members, as they're now calling them, I feel like these people are the people who are most interested, along with my mailing list members, in buying my work. So, yeah, I think it's because I'm sharing in such depth there that um you know they get to see the real behind the scenes of it all and see how it's created and my process and everything so yeah 
So it's a mixture, isn't it? Direct and indirect marketing. Yeah, because a lot of the time, I guess I wouldn't even see what I'm doing as marketing, but it is in a very... I mean, I don't think of it as being marketing at all, but it's very, yeah, it's, it's very subtle, but it's not consciously marketing. Sometimes, for example, when I'm sending out a mailing list newsletter, that's very conscious, you know, Mm, I'm like, I'm letting these people know that I have new products and new artwork in the shop. Um, Whereas everything else is a little bit more, it's more just sharing that then I suppose you could say, it does bring that interest in people wanting to find out more about your work and then wanting to buy your work. So mm. I, I wonder what the divide would be, though, in terms of what brings you more sales. I, I wonder, mm. like with, with all of us, like what the percentage of the pie is. A lot of people, you don't know where they're coming from, really. Yeah. You know, names appear in your inbox on order forms and you don't know who these people are. And it would be interesting to know how they found you. Yeah. Mm. I mean, I I have got it on my shop dashboard. I can see, like, you know, which links have brought, you know, the footfall to the shop. Mm. Um, And definitely YouTube is up there. Um, Instagram Um, but a lot of it is also um, search engine you know SEO like through Google so that is another Mm. uh, form isn't it of marketing as well that's quite cool to hear so Crixis how about you I I think YouTube is my main also like uh, marketing strategy but not like I don't consider YouTube as marketing strategy but it, it does help me to drive traffic to different websites and uh, through YouTube a lot of Patreons join because they watch my videos and a lot of people buy my products because they watch my videos so it, it is connected in a way yeah of course mm. it's connected I would say it's definitely connected <laughs> because they wouldn't be able to find you otherwise yeah. it's like you yeah. know it's a form of marketing, whether we like it or not. It is a form of marketing. Yes, that's that's what it is. Yeah. So so that is like I think for like my online sales, its biggest uh, traffic goes through YouTube, and also Patreons are like Natasha mentioned. They are like the one of the, like she she has a mailing list and Patreons. I think for me, it's just because I don't have mailing list. <laughs> I know it's not the best marketing strategy. Uh, I'm in the middle of making it actually. But yeah, patrons, I, I feel like they are really invested in, in what I do and they are really interested about the newest uh, upcoming shop launches. Yeah. So I actually mention there every time I will have something and I kind of share, share a little bit sneak peeks. Um, almost as if I was writing a newsletter, but it was just private <laughs> for Patreons. I think like with marketing, it's really tricky because sometimes I forgot that I need to market it. So for a long time, I even didn't mention that I have physical rewards on my Patreon. <laughs> and it was so funny when I mentioned it once, like five people joined and I was like, oh, wow, <laughs> that's brilliant. It's funny because Tony says to me, after I've done a YouTube, he's like, have you told people to like and subscribe? Have you told people to do that? And I was like, no. I try to remember now. I didn't used to be so good at it, but I try to remember to mention it. I kind of 
leave it to the end of the video a lot of the time. And I'm thinking, I really should just mention this at the beginning <laughs> and yeah. um, get it in there <laughs> right at the beginning. You know, it makes such a huge difference to us for them to like and subscribe and comment. You know, that's yeah. the difference between your videos being seen by a wider audience or not. Mm. And mm you know it's essential so I don't know why it annoys people so much <laughs> but it is difficult it's one of those things again where I think okay I know that I need to mention this because it's sensible to do so but it's really awkward to mention it yeah well if you know mm. they're watching to the end they're definitely invested aren't yes. they? which is which is why I think all of us at some point say if you've watched to the end please say the magic word in the comment section below. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's another thing that I mean to do. I've, I started doing that a while ago on most of my longer videos and just recently I've totally forgotten to do it but um, yeah I think it's a really good little thing to do because it helps people feel like it's like yeah. being part of a little club, isn't it? A little mm, community. It is, it is. Yeah. <laughs> I think like th this is really a good thing, but also it's uh, if someone doesn't know what to comment, but they want to comment and kind of give you appreciation, they can just mention that word and you know that they, yeah. they care. Natasha, you mentioned um, this video that went really uh, well for you. Let's talk about that because <laughs> I think it's actually really good to hear because it's, a, again, it's marketing. How, how has it helped your channel? As we record this podcast on the 25th of October, it has had about 112,000 views, mm -hmm. which for my channel, because my channel is not a massive channel, um, it's really quite big. And it's become the most popular video on my channel within a very short period of time because it's only been up about a month and a half. And it has managed to grow my channel by just over 4,000 subscribers, oh, which, wow. is, which is quite a lot from one video. And obviously people come and they watch that video and then if they like it, they go on and watch other videos. So mm. some of them have subscribed through other videos, but they initially came through that video. So yeah. having a video that goes big like this does mean that it really helps the growth of your channel. Uh, like nothing else, really. <laughs> nothing else can grow my channel like this. When you recorded that video, did you felt that it's going to be like... Will it resonate no. with people and it will... No. No? <laughs> well, no. <laughs> no, I say no. I didn't think it was going to be as popular as it is. I didn't make it thinking it was going to be a big video. I actually thought this is the way I want my channel to go. I want it to have... I want it to be more about my thoughts and feelings on being an artist, more about my process, Um more about the struggles I go through and how I overcome them. So maybe throw some tips in there about how I'm getting through certain struggles and problems I'm having with my work. Um, so I wanted it to be something that had a bit more substance than some of the videos that I've made in the past where people, people love the swatching and the art halls and they're fun to do to a certain degree, but I was beginning to feel like once you've seen 10 or 20 of them, you know, they all get a bit samey, don't they? <laughs> it all becomes a bit similar. So I wanted something with a bit more substance and I want to show 
more of me as an artist rather than just the art supplies. So when I made this video, I was like, okay, this is something that I want to make. I don't think it's going to be super popular, but I want to make it because this is the direction I want my channel to go in. And it was a total surprise to me when you know how it <laughs> when you have a video and it does really well from the beginning and it goes to number one on your little chart of your last yes, 10 yeah. videos and it does the fireworks I was like Dominic I've got the fireworks <laughs> yeah. I was like it's it's actually gone to number one I've actually got a video that's gone to number one and um because I hadn't had that for a while actually YouTube has been I don't know, it's been going through a slightly quieter period for me recently. And so to have this was really wonderful. So I was really excited about that. And then I noticed um, instead of it kind of dying down after the initial rush, when you first put a video up, mm. it was it was gaining and gaining and gaining. And I noticed they were pushing it out to more and more and more people. And then those people, because they were reacting well to it, it then just snowballs yeah. and it's always is so lovely when that happens and one of the most satisfying things or gratifying things has been that people have said it's really resonated with them that they've also struggled with the same issues that I covered in that video mm. which was getting over the fear of the sketchbook and also trying to work more loosely but trying to slightly change my work or experiment. And a lot of people said that that really resonated with them. And I think that's why it's been popular. I guess that's why, because a lot of people go through these struggles and it's always comforting to hear someone talking about something that you're struggling with and knowing that other people have that problem too. Mm. Very encouraging to hear um, and really encouraging for you as well. Yeah, it is because this is the direction I want my channel to go in. So this has been a big boost. Yeah, do you feel you have more of a, an idea of what future videos you're going to be creating? I do, actually, yeah. I have a lot of ideas now and I was feeling like I was struggling a bit because it's always that thing where you've built up an audience who like one particular thing. And every time I try to deviate from that on my channel, it's been it's been a struggle a lot of the time. Um, Is that because you've had uh, low lower numbers, or like people's comments aren't as engaged, or you've just noticed it hasn't gone the way you would like it to go? Is, is I that... would say, I my personally my favorite kind of videos to watch as a viewer when I'm watching other artists' videos, are where they're talking about their process and their feelings and they're sharing behind the scenes and it's more like a studio vlog type yeah. of video. Um, I have become, as much as I love trying new art supplies and seeing new art supplies, I've become a bit bored with making those videos and watching those videos. Yeah, And so... I mean, I know what I like to watch, but whenever I try to produce what I like to watch on my channel, the audience that I have previously had, because a lot of them came through the swatching videos, the art haul videos, 
they only seem to be interested in that. So whenever I mm. try to post a studio vlog, the studio you'll see I have a studio vlog up on my channel from a few months ago and it's had like a tiny fraction of the views that most of my videos get. Oh, and yeah. because yeah. those videos are so lengthy to put together, it it kind of is disheartening. You think, well, why am I doing this? <laughs> because yeah. it's it's a lot of my time and effort for not much return. But yeah. in doing this video the other week, I actually managed to share the type of thing I wanted to share and the reaction has been so engaged and so positive. It makes me feel excited to to try and, I don't know, just sort of pivot my channel slightly mm. and go in this new direction. I feel like I can see the path I need to go down now. I yeah. suppose that's how I'd say it. Yeah, mm. I think that's a really interesting word that you use there, though, pivot, because... I think you probably had the content, you had like the ideas, but you just needed to tweak it to kind of change it slightly so that people could find a way into what you were sharing. You know, like you're instead of maybe calling it studio vlog, you actually addressed the question that you had. Yeah. Yeah. And even though you may have talked about that before, or you could have talked about it in, in a different way you actually got to the nub of it maybe better in your title this is do you know that's such an interesting point you make there mel because this is it's really important to mention this i think the way it was titled and the thumbnail i did made a huge difference mm. i think if you just write studio vlog number 42. Yeah, I, I stopped doing that because I realized if I write studio vlog 12, who cares that it is like number yeah. 12? <laughs> exactly. You kind of need to share from what's actually in there. Totally. Oh, uh, yeah. 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 This is exactly it. And it's so interesting that Mel brought that up because that's something that I should have mentioned um, Crixus just said that, you know, nobody cares that it's Studio Vlog 12. <laughs> you know, it doesn't tell you anything about the content. Mm. But if you title it in the way that you're addressing um, some kind of issue that a lot of artists go through, or you found a great tip to share, or something like that, I think that's far more intriguing to people. It's like they look at that and they're like, oh, wow, I want yeah. to see where this is going to go. You know, I want yeah. to see how she tackles this. And so this is another thing that I'm going to do is not consciously label things as studio. They will be like studio vlogs, yes. but they won't be called studio vlogs. Yeah. I just think it's something you can apply to all different other avenues of marketing as well i think we a lot of people do have the content and they know what they know what they're talking about but it's like mm. almost trying to make sure that you label it in a way yeah for yeah. people to actually be able to engage with it so even you taking snippets of what you talked about on youtube and putting it into your reel and just you know just a 30 second talking the main points that would probably really engage your mm. audience again, um, being able to reuse the content so it's not always having to create new, create new. But this actually is also to, a good point. Yeah, yeah, frame it in a way that is sharing 
relevant stuff that people want to engage with. Mm. Um, I think you really have to be real and I think you have to be honest about the struggles you have. What I noticed that people were saying about this video was often, I come on YouTube and I see all of these perfect sketchbooks and it makes me feel really inadequate and it's such a relief to see someone talking about the difficulties of all of this and tackling it and finding a way through. Moving from being an artist who really just works on finished pieces and hardly ever uses a sketchbook to really integrating it into my art practice and it becoming a really valuable tool for me but it's been such a a difficult journey to <laughs> to allow myself to use a sketchbook as a sketchbook should be used all of us maybe use a sketchbook in a different way then and i think that's the important thing that we realize what is our not unique selling point but what <laughs> you know something like that what yeah. what how do we use you know our sketchbook or what is our process and then inviting people in to see that mm, and yeah. how we use it you know mine would be I love drawing outside outside sketching is my thing so I'm gonna try and talk about that and how though can I invite people into that so they can understand where I'm coming from rather than just going da-da mm. this is it yes <laughs> yeah mm. It was actually really good, though, to spend a bit of time actually talking to you, Natasha, about that, because I think it brought up a number of things that we can apply to all of our kind of marketing things mm. that we do. Um, and we've actually answered one of the questions, what has been your most successful marketing effort so far? So I think maybe that was yours, Natasha, this <laughs> this year. <laughs> so, it's, yeah, it, definitely one of them, yeah. <laughs> Maybe not a planned one, but... No, totally not. It, it, it's worked. It's working for you <laughs> or has worked for you in that way. Um, mm. Is there anything else? I mean, you do you have any other strategy that you use or... I know we don't like to label it as a strategy, but Crixis? I, I think like I, I don't have like the most successful marketing effort, but I think what helped me uh, when I did Count Over Zine for this year... I promote it in several different uh, apps. So I didn't just say it on YouTube that I have it. I also shared, because I was doing Count Overs a Challenge, everyone there saw all the prompts. And then I shared, I have a zine. Then I mentioned it on Patreon. Then I mentioned it on YouTube. So it, I think like marketing, it can be also, you can use it uh, and share it from different platforms and it doesn't need to be just one. And I think that worked yeah. as well because mm. for the Count Overzine, I had like a lot of orders because I already like mentioned it everywhere. So everyone knew. Yeah, I've heard, you know, you have to share something seven times before someone actually hears. Oh, what yes, I heard this. Yeah. <laughs> Like they trust you more after seeing it seven times or something. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's something weird like that. Yeah. People see it at different times of day, don't they? Different. So they may be in different moods. They mm. may be just a very flip kind of, oh, I just saw it quickly. But there may be another time where they're more relaxed and maybe they spend longer mm. looking. Yes. Yeah. Um, so that's why I guess you haven't, you should share it across like Crixis, you should share it across all the platforms, that one thing, but also share it 
at different times of day, but also before keep sharing it. You can share it before it starts and also after it starts. So it's like yeah, with you, some yeah. time in between. Yeah, different parts of the process mm, as well. Yes. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah definitely a good thing. What's worked for me, where I've seen growth, is when I'm collaborating mm. with others. And that, that can be us doing this, collaborating on a podcast. Mm. Also uh, interviews, like I know I've done interviews with other podcast people. Also articles as well, that's, that's helped get traffic to my site. And yeah, doing, I remember Sandy Hester, I did a collaboration with her and that brought a lot of people over to my YouTube channel. Collaboration and sharing that's yeah that's that can be a really helpful thing particularly if you're mm. uh new to it as well kind of yeah. different audiences come from like across the country or like across the oceans or yeah that's what will happen with natasha won't it with the uh deep deep light collaboration mm. partnership whatever more latvians um, <laughs> will we'll, we'll follow you <laughs> <laughs> but that's another thing as well isn't it partnering with companies maybe yeah. companies that mm. you um have a connection with with your work maybe you use their mm. materials uh maybe you can reach out i've i remember one time dewent uh posted one of my images they had asked permission to post it and then that brought more eyeballs um mm. and then like with the domestica that brought doing a course with them yeah also brought a lot of people to my um, site yeah anything you do I think with anyone else can can bring exposure yes. it's now time to hear from Tom Ross hey my name is Tom Ross I am a long-time entrepreneur marketer and creative I'm currently the CEO and founder at design cuts and have been running that for 10 years now which feels crazy to say we're a, a community a platform and a marketplace for creatives and artists so we do live sessions super popular events we have a, a really vibrant community and we make courses and learning and digital assets available for artists all over the world because i'm such a marketing geek in my spare time i also teach marketing to fellow artists and creatives i run um, a paid community i put out content and so you could say I'm pretty marketing obsessed, I guess. I think marketing is important for artists because it helps us escape this kind of terrible stereotype of the starving artist. I get so frustrated when I see friends and peers who are really, really talented when it comes to their art, but very resistant towards marketing. And as a result, they get no visibility they're frustrated, they struggle financially, this then impacts their mindset. And as a result, that can impact their inspiration and creativity. So they're kind of stuck in this rut of feeling like things just aren't working out for them. And I've helped so many individuals now with their marketing that I just, I'm such a believer. You know, I've helped people grow newsletters and launch their website and create products. And that is a big part of what we do at Design Cuts. Like we've literally been able to harness people's talent and then help them make a full-time and a very lucrative full-time living from that. Um, but even on a, a smaller scale, it's like applying a bit of marketing sense to your business 
can make the difference between struggling every month and actually living more comfortably. So for me, kind of getting both down is just incredible. It's the best of both worlds. And many artists that a lot of us look up to, you will notice they're not just really talented when it comes to their art, but they've also devoted the time to learn the craft of marketing. And those are the people who are killing it in the industry. And and often the people we want to be like, it didn't happen by accident. They actually bothered to learn and apply marketing um, to what they're doing. Finding and understanding your audience is really one of the pillars of marketing. And I think what most artists tend to do is they think, okay, I got to start um, just pumping out content sporadically on, on social media. That's how I'm going to find my audience. Um, and it's a little bit like build it and they will come. And I actually think one of the most important things you can do is decide who your audience is and what you want to offer them. Because until you really know those things, you're not going to understand who those people are, what makes them tick, what motivates and drives them, how to connect and resonate with them, where they hang out currently, where to find them. Um, and then what to actually say to them and, and offer and show them when you can get in front of them. So I think doing that foundational work of actually defining your audience is definitely step one. And this can vary hugely. Like we might all be artists, but I have friends who are focused on, um, you know, teaching people surface pattern design, for example, there's quite quite a niche audience um, in that case, or artists that help others with mindset specifically, or others that teach illustration or lettering or drawing, whatever it may be. I think you need to get clear on who you're trying to help um, and how you're trying to help them before you try and um, grow a big audience or anything like that. I'm always wary to give one size fits all advice. So I can't turn around and be like, it should definitely be Pinterest or it should definitely be Instagram or TikTok or LinkedIn because the truth is it varies. And there's a couple of factors to consider um, when you're looking at marketing platforms. So the first one is once you've defined your audience, where do they tend to enjoy spending time? Because I have creatives who are trying to reach people more in the professional world. So they're crushing it on LinkedIn. Equally, there's some people that just want to, you know, build a big audience and, and get some of the clout that comes with that. And maybe they found it easier to break through on TikTok. In my case, I'm currently really focused on Instagram because a lot of the artists that I'm trying to help with marketing spend their time there natively. So that's consideration number one is where do your people actually spend time? Consideration number two is which platforms do you feel equipped to be consistent at and enjoy using? because they all have their different nuances. So for me, I know it can be a bit toxic, but I actually really enjoy a lot of aspects of Instagram. I find it quite easy to get creative on that platform, um, to create fun content. Like I've got a broadcast channel now that's been a lot of fun. I enjoy creating on that platform for the most part. I struggle on X, um, the now horrible version of Twitter. because my audience don't really spend time there, first of all. It's not huge with artists, for obvious reasons. But also, I've never really got much traction. I've never really enjoyed the platform. Um, It doesn't do it for me. And so I think being cognizant of those two things 
will help you to choose which platforms to invest in. And obviously, I'm just talking about social media here, but I absolutely am an advocate for building an email list, growing a newsletter. Um, so I use ConvertKit for that myself. Um, but yeah, I, I would think beyond just social media as a creative. You know, you should have a website. You should ideally be building a newsletter. You should be, um, you know, tracking leads into your business and, and things of that nature. Um, but yeah, in terms of social, that would be my advice. I think the biggest, I don't know if it's a character trait, but certainly skill right now is storytelling. I don't think it's actually enough to simply share your work. The content and the artists that I see really popping right now do a great job sharing their story. So there is a uh, artist and craftswoman that I follow who makes really, really beautiful artistic chopping boards. And she doesn't just post a static picture of a chopping board that she makes. She shares her story of building this business in reels. So you can see the ups and downs. You get to know her personality. Um, you can see the process that she puts into working so hard to create these. You can see the passion behind the, the pieces she creates. You can see what she aspires to, to reach. And, you know, she's trying to fulfill her dream as a creative. And that's ultimately what her followers, including me, buy into. And so I guess in terms of character traits, it's having the ability and the confidence to put yourself out there. And I can tell as I say this, because I hear this from creatives all the time, they get very uncomfortable. It's like, I don't want to share my face. Um, I don't feel comfortable putting myself out there. I just want to hide behind my work. And I think in the age we're living in, it really is one of the best traits if you can manage to put yourself out there. And I have deep, deep empathy because I know that is a difficult and scary thing to do. And it absolutely was for me too. You know, I was the kid growing up. I couldn't do public speaking. Um, I couldn't put myself out there. Like literally I would swear, my hands would shake, my voice would stutter. And I got over this simply through practice. So I... Um, I started putting out a video every day on Instagram called Daily Tom. And the first one took me an hour and like a hundred takes just to post a 30 second crappy video clip. It was ridiculous. I found it so painful, so uncomfortable and so difficult, but I kept doing it. And so day two, it took me 30 minutes of, you know, deep discomfort. And eventually I was just putting these videos out with one take and I didn't care if I fumbled my words or it, it wasn't perfect because I was just in momentum i was i was on a roll producing this content and then after that i started doing podcasting and i hated the sound of my voice and you know i felt super unconfident doing that but i, I kept at it and i did over 500 episodes and the podcast became pretty popular and then live sessions were the scariest thing i, I couldn't go live without feeling super nervous and anxious again until i did hundreds of them and now I love them and, and they're super fun and I feel really comfortable. And through doing all of these reps and all of these hours, putting myself out there, I've now got to you know, talk on stage to hundreds of creatives. Um, I do live events to thousands of people. I do stuff like this and I feel very comfortable and, and very confident doing it. And it's one of the greatest blessings of my life. Like I love that I've been able to kind of hone this confidence in, in doing this because I was the last person you would expect of. And it has all kinds of ramifications in my my personal life as well. So 
I can speak more with more confidence to my team. Um, I've even been like best man for my my best friend and, and my little brother and had to give speeches at their wedding. Like younger me physically would not have been able to do that. But because I've done all this content and, and podcasting, I did a good job with the speeches. So I promise, even if it's uncomfortable, like put in the hours, put in the practice, go through that pain and it will genuinely make you a better marketer and I think a, a more confident person. I think when you put out a piece of content as an artist, think of it like having a betting slip with some odds on it. And the odds represent the chance of that piece of content breaking through um, and becoming popular. Now, what I see with a lot of artists is they are putting out content in such a format that it's virtually impossible it's going to break through. It'll be like some low quality static image of their work you know it's it's not in the format that say instagram likes and there's virtually no chance of that getting shared or, or going viral um, there's nothing really to it beyond it just being a photo of work so in that case your betting slip would say something like one million to one you, you could honestly share that piece of work hundreds of thousands of times and it's probably never going to break through and you see this with artists who post for years and years and years, hundreds or even thousands of, of pieces of content um, and don't really get any traction. Whereas if you really nail it, so um, for example, I, I've been helping some friends with this and, you know, first of all, they've got the talent, they make great work and then they put it in a format that works. So on Instagram, that would be a reel right now. And they put together reels and they capture attention and they use a hook to kind of get people to keep watching. They then try and weave some story into it. They deliver value or showcase their work in a really interesting way. Um, and by doing all of these things, they greatly increase their chances of success. So maybe their betting slip is not a million to one, it's a hundred to one or even 10 to one if they're incredible. And then you really just increase your chances of finding success by putting betting slips with improved odds down more consistently as in posting more consistently. So I'll give you an example. I mentioned before about artists that share, you know, for years and years and see no success. My friend Jimbo, um, I was working with him and, and he's a lettering artist and he started putting out an upgraded type of reel. He invested a lot of effort. These are super high quality reels. And I think in the last month he put out half a dozen or something like that. And it was the fifth or sixth one um, that now has over 100,000 views and he's getting thousands of followers and it kind of break, broke through. So in his case, maybe his his reels give him a 10 to one chance of breaking through because they're that good uh, and he's that good. And so he, he's laid them down, 10 to one didn't hit, 10 to one didn't hit. And he's done that five or six times and eventually one has broke through. Similar thing, my friend Claudia Riveros, she's been pushing her YouTube and on her second video she put out in this new format, it broke through and it's got like uh, 20,000 views, I think. She picked up a couple of thousand subscribers and and that was the one that started get, getting her some momentum. But the video is unbelievably good. It's just, it's so, so impressive. It's so good. It's so engaging. It's such great content. Maybe her odds on that were five to one. But maybe what you're doing right now, maybe you're putting out million to one content and you're not giving yourself a shot. So learning those aspects of storytelling and, and what works on the platform will 
improve your odds and then putting out content consistently and regularly will also improve your odds of breaking through. But there's no set time frame. I actually think if you can find creative ways to get a popular trend that's familiar to people and is proven to elicit high engagement and grab attention and, and you know have high retention, you might as well use it, um, but then adapt it because you don't want to be a carbon copy. So can you take a trend that's familiar and put your unique spin on it or use that trend to show your work off in a creative way? So right now, um, something that is very popular is like the reveal on Instagram. And yeah, it's kind of played out, but it works. It genuinely works. So, um, you, you know, you're holding up a canvas, uh, showing the back of it. You have some kind of hook or something like that. Um, ideally weave story into it as well. So, uh, it could be like, I'm a 17 year old artist trying to make it. And this painting took me a hundred hours and by putting that at the start, people are seeing the back of the canvas and thinking, oh, wow, like this is a kid. I'm buying into his story. I, you know, I, I want him to make it. Um, he clearly looks passionate. He's covered in paint in a messy studio. Um, and wow, 100 hours. I'm super curious what this painting is going to look like. And so you've kind of hooked the attention and you've got them to buy into some kind of story. Then when you reveal it, obviously the work has to be legitimately really impressive and good. And if it makes them go, wow, that, that's amazing. Well, then, you know, that is something they're much more likely to engage with and like and leave a comment and try and support, in this case, this 17-year-old kid um, trying to make it. So I think storytelling, grabbing attention, leveraging, you know, common trends such as reveals um, is really smart at the minute. And even if you don't go viral or break through, by doing the stuff that works, you will improve your baseline. So recently, one of my followers had been sharing reels. So it's like, good, okay, you're using reels, not static images, that's great. Um, and they were getting like three or, three or 400 views or something like that. Um, and then I said, okay, why don't you do a, a reveal? And they did it. And I think they got like 1200 views. So is that crazy success? No, but it was three, four times better than anything they've been sharing before, just because they kind of tweaked how they were sharing their work. And to my previous point, you know, that's improving their odds. So maybe they keep putting out content like that and they tweak it and get better and better at storytelling. And suddenly they break through with, with one of those. I think if you get to do what you love and dictate how you want to spend your time, that is true success. So if you're able to, you know, create work that you adore making, if you're able to um, cultivate, you know, an amazing community that supports you and, and build true relationships, if you enjoy that stuff and, and you get to spend your time how you choose, that is ultimate success. It definitely is not, um, you know, the blue tick Lamborghini lifestyle or anything like that. Be a professional. And what I mean by this is be reliable. Through my company, I do all kinds of outreach and partnerships and stuff like that. And I am amazed at how flaky uh, a lot of creatives and artists are. To the point you think like, wow, they simply would not survive in any other industry because that's not a professional way to behave. And this is not me hating on artists. Like, you know, I'm a creative myself. I get it. We're not all wired that way. But um, there's an awful lot of people that will kind of 
ghost you or um you know you'll be working on something and they just go a bit quiet or a bit cold or they deliver things late like all that kind of stuff and I think when you're professional when I look at you know people that I built incredible partnerships with and done amazing things with in the art world invariably they are the ones that actually are professional and are reliable um as well as being nice of course um so i think it's really underrated i think i think if you can actually um act professionally that that is huge as an artist the next thing is just to actually embrace marketing so a lot of people will paint marketing with a you know bad brush and they will shy away from it. They make excuses. They blame the algorithm. You name it. And instead of that, it's like try and act a little bit more willing to give marketing a shot. And you know, like any skill, like painting, like drawing, work on it. Practice. Be consistent. Get better over time. And I promise, by doing that, it is just such an incredible skill set to layer on top of what you uh, produce as an artist. And my final tip um, would be try and actually show the real authentic you. So many artists that I look up to, in fact, I think every single top artist that I look up to, I feel like I know them to some extent. They are not completely hiding behind their work. They are also putting themselves out there. So I feel like I know their personality. That could be that they're going to events and conferences. It could be that they're going live. It could be that they're sharing their story they are sharing vulnerabilities, uh, they're sharing aspects of their life. But I think we buy into the artist just as much, if not more so, than the art. Um, so don't hide away forever. Try and start practicing putting yourself out there. Thanks so much, Tom, for all your advice you've given us there. Now back to the chat with myself, Natasha and Crixis. I'm finding that having a really supportive and creative and encouraging community around is it then in turn inspires me to create more and to share more yes we can't deny that if something is successful of course it in turn <laughs> encourages us to create more and we're able to sustain ourselves as artists yes and then we yeah. can give more back as well so it it benefits everyone yes it's like beneficial yeah. on so many different fronts, isn't it? Mm. Some more art challenges <laughs> will come. <laughs> I think they should. I think they're brilliant. I love watching what you're creating for it. And I wish that I could take part. Maybe I will be able to in the future. At first, when you start marketing, you're probably not going to be marketing to very many people because you're going to have quite a small following. So it's going to take a while for it to actually reap some rewards so to speak it doesn't happen overnight or like if it does it if it does it, you need to be continue doing what you do to be consistent mm. because otherwise you, you can't keep it up with that kind of sudden yeah success but but if it does happen overnight it's also doesn't tell you anything about what worked mm. because you 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 probably don't know yeah. what worked really and so no. it's probably not helpful if it's overnight because it'd be very hard to know mm. well, what is it yeah <laughs> mistakes are great because you can learn from them <laughs> from success is yeah. a little bit yeah. hard like it's it's also you can learn from success but i think from mistakes you learn a little bit more 
But if success comes very quickly, it's very overwhelming as well. And you may not be ready for maybe all of the orders, you know, suddenly, say if you opened a shop and instead of like all of us, I'm sure that we all started off with getting like one order here and there and then a couple of orders. And then sometimes we get like moments where we're having, you know, say we do a shop update now, we'll get quite a few orders. But you imagine if you launched your shop and then suddenly overnight you had 200 orders and you wouldn't know how to handle it, would you? Well, so, you, would think you know, everything. Life is great. <laughs> <laughs> Popping open the champagne. Well, this is the thing. If you peak too early, then, you know, where yeah. where do you go from there? Exactly. I quite That's like me. this kind of slow growth where it gets a little bit more and a little bit more mm. um, rather than everything happening immediately and then maybe it's i don't know maybe it's downhill from there sometimes so it's it's good to do it slowly okay on that note i think we've we've answered a lot of questions as in you know that have come up for marketing we have one more question though the listener question chosen by me it's uh, from an anonymous but i thought it was relevant to our discussion my biggest fear with starting a mailing list or YouTube channel is that I won't be able to keep it up. How do you manage consistency? I have many unfinished projects and I want to build a consistent side income, but I also work full time and my brain likes new, exciting things. There <laughs> must be a way. It's tricky because if you're working full time, YouTube and full time, it's really tricky. I think rather than you don't need to have weekly upload schedule because then you will just burn out I think I would do it once a month maybe like for videos because I I actually know that it works for some people they can just have one video a month and they 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 are really good on YouTube maybe start with a mailing list or or writing something like a blog or a substack maybe start just sharing your Mm. journey um in a format that you can do writing your thoughts down I think that would be probably a good way to start um, mm. and then with Substack I guess I'm saying that because it's it you can be found that way rather than if you're doing it in a newsletter and you haven't got anyone to send it out to yeah then <laughs> maybe start where mm. you can be found and direct people to that um but yes, I know what you mean. It's There's a lot of excitement in starting a new project, but the, there is discipline that has to come yeah. with, with keeping going and, and, keep, and seeing a project through to the end. So maybe just start with a small project that you think is manageable and is doable mm. and that you can see through to the end. I think that would be probably the first thing that would be important to do and maybe just document that project in how, you, how you're doing it and just have that as your have a goal and maybe say I'm going to do that in three months um, and and try to to see it through to the end. Well, I think like it's good also, yeah, to start with shorter formats because I think YouTube is like a big thing. It takes a lot of time. Yeah, you need to be realistic about what you can do on YouTube because even making one video, it's a huge time suck. Mm-hmm. Like at some point, if you have... 500 followers on YouTube you can uh, 
start using community tab so there you can just update also with some news or like what you're working on so even if you don't have video you have like information a little bit more yeah the community tab is a great little feature that some people don't even know about on youtube you know if you disappear for a while it's a good way of checking in with your community and just saying i'm still here yeah it's all okay Thanks so much for listening and turning into our latest episode. And special thanks to Tom for taking the time to share with us his marketing knowledge. We hope you'll join us next time on our creative catch-up when we'll be chatting about sharing our mistakes, the reality of running an art business. Find us on YouTube at Creative Catch-Up or Instagram creative.catchup. Until next time, three, two, one... Stay, stay creative. Stay creative. <laughs> <laughs> okay. As long as you've said it. As long as you've said it. Okay.